0: Hello everybody, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Technology Uncorked. My name is Jeff Quattromani and this show is brought to you by Navman. I've been talking about one of their new products for quite a while now and our friend of the show has got the MyView M760D connected, wired in and all functioning and working on his Ducati motorcycle. And it's very exciting because here we have a very small camera that goes on the front, a very small camera that goes on the back and a small controller that sits on the handlebars all wired into the bike, meaning that when the bike starts, it's recording front and rear footage, all in high definition. And I'll be honest, in the footage that I've seen so far, the quality is very good. And the reason I'm sort of not surprised by that, but saying this and emphasizing it is because these bikes vibrate, you know, bikes, especially Ducatis, these things make some noise. They are not necessarily as smooth as a Rolls Royce on the road. So to see the camera footage as stable as it is, is unexpected and in very, very usable condition. I've seen night footage and day footage, and I'm very, very impressed so far. So we are talking about GPS tagged footage. You know exactly where you were, what speed you were doing and exactly what was happening at that point in time. You have got that easy share functionality, which means that from your phone, you can transfer footage straight from the device to your phone to share it or do whatever you need with it. It's waterproof. It's going to handle all of those real world situations. And trust me, it is so much safer than strapping a GoPro to your helmet or anything else like that. The the, the truth is that if you strap anything to a helmet and you were to fall off the bike, heaven forbid, but you fall off the bike, that camera is now most likely to lodge into the helmet which is literally defeating the point of having that helmet in the first place you just don't want to be having anything stuck on the helmet it does hamper the integrity of those helmets that you're wearing that's an important safety feature so have something like this and put it on once and for all recording the front and the back $5.99 from navman.com.au obviously shop around as always but uh it's one worth checking out. I'm going to have the footage available for you all to see, and I'll talk about that once it's available online. And you're able to see everything and make your own decision on that as well. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with the show. <inaudible> Jeff multi-Australian in Sydney. Tech expert Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani, thank you very much from Sydney. Jeff Quattromani is here. And now it's time to talk technology with Jeff Quattromani. Jeff Quattromani. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. What the heck? Let's talk tech. Now, that has to be the coolest introduction we've ever had on this show. And the reason it's there is because it's the one that was made for me when I appeared on a recent podcast. And I'll plug it right now. If you listen to the Bowen's Garage podcast, you will hear me appearing as a special guest. And yes, if you're wondering, it is the podcast that's created by Chris Bowen. Uh, He and I worked together for a number of years uh, at a previous previous place, previous company, and uh, it was great to be a guest on his show and talk tech while he normally talks about cars with his amazing co-host, Brooke. Now, ladies and gentlemen, today I have a Bombay Sapphire Gin and Tonic sitting in front of me and... Yes, still not a bottle of wine. We're going to try and get back to those very soon. Uh, but this was sent to me. Uh, Bombay Sapphire Gin and Tonic. I don't normally drink gin. Um, I have a very close friend of the family who does enjoy a gin and tonic, and it's something that I try and prepare when they do come around. But this is in a pre bottle. This is pre so it looks like you know what you used to have as teenagers. Um, you know, If you're ever into your Bacardi's or your, um, what was the other one? Smirnoff Black's very similar kind of premix, ready to go. I've poured it over some ice with a wedge of lime. And to be honest, I cannot taste anything alcoholic. It's very, very weird. I don't believe it's incredibly strong. We're talking about five and a half percent. So it's about 1.2 standard drinks, nothing like those crazy cocktails of the other day. Um, And I'm looking at here, I'm looking at a four pack, 24 bucks. So if you've got a gin drinker in the house, this could be the best way to do it. And the reason I'm talking about this, if I haven't mentioned it already, is that June 12th is World Gin Day. So here is me trying gin and tonic for what I think is actually the first time and letting you know about uh, World Gin Day. We're absolutely celebrating that here on the podcast. Now, we have quite a bit of a show. We're going to talk about a number of things. We're going to talk about a smart helmet, a collaboration between Telstra and a very small startup, uh, talking about the first 5G smart helmet. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some amazing news from Sony in that they've released an amazing pair of headphones. Not just any headphones, this is the AirPods Pro competitor. And I can't wait to talk about my experience with that so far. We're going to talk about what the Australian Federal Police has done in conjunction with the FBI and Europol. Uh, This is probably what I think could end up being the tech story of the year. And I'm willing to Go into the detail on that and tell you what is actually happening in that space. And lastly, Apple held an event. They held the Worldwide Developers Conference, and of course, we're going to unpack that without the PR decoration or bow tie around it. So, without further ado, let's get into this Bombay Sapphire, Bombay, Bombay, Bombay Sapphire-packed show of tech that we're about to unload on you. Um, get ready; it's about to get heavy. That was super interesting for me when I got invited to this uh, virtual event with Telstra as they wanted to talk about the 5G smart helmet. Now, immediately straight away, I I get these crazy things about, God, another smart thing. Is it really a smart helmet? Uh, Is it really a 5G helmet? Do we need a 5G helmet? helmet. And this is for cyclists. And the idea here was that they partnered with a company called Arenberg. And I apologize, I've never heard of that company before. They're a cycling startup. I don't know how you start a cycling startup when you're doing this, but hey, these are some guys getting into some interesting tech and they've used Telstra as a partner to make some things come to life. Now, this is very conceptual. This is not something that you're going to immediately go from this podcast to purchasing this product. It's an innovation. It's a prototype. Now, this particular helmet uh, looks like a normal bike helmet. They've effectively built a camera into the front. They've. It's being supplied with bone conductive headphones, which isn't a necessarily a new thing. But the 5G connectivity, which it actually gets from a 5G smartphone in your pocket, as in your phone, um, That's where 5G comes from. The helmet itself does not have 5G. The the helmet connects to your phone. However, there is still some smarts here. The reason it has 5G connectivity or the reason there is an app that they've also built in conjunction with this is so that in the future, you on a bike will be able to communicate with cars, with infrastructure, uh, with everything around you, because as we know, a smart city comprises of everything being connected, whether that's the traffic lights, the cars, the pedestrians, uh, you as a cyclist, and. The messaging between all of these devices as you move around means that you could be warned of a car coming into a side street that is perhaps going too far, that is unlikely to stop, that's approaching a blind corner that you may not actually see. These kind of alerts could be delivered to you with super low latency because of the 5G network, and as a result, through these bone conductive headphones, you would receive that notification. The camera, however, is actually the innovation. And it's a shame that they've made this about 5G when in reality, the real innovation here is what they're using the camera for in the helmet. And that is the camera is constantly monitoring what's happening in front of you, meaning it's using artificial intelligence and machine learning uh, to come together to help the helmet recognize when a car door is opening. And there is a large amount of accidents that does happen in cyclists running into people who've opened their doors, and this is what they're trying to do here: is communicate between the cyclist and the car that you're coming, that the door is opening, and that you can't stop. Now, a couple of things that could happen here. You could get a notification while you're cycling to say, "Car in front's opening their door. You should be stopping," uh, which probably your eyes would normally see anyway, but the potential here is that if the car knows that you're approaching, then that door may not even open. And it may, in most cases, actually even pull, pull you back or allow you that if you're opening the door, it may beep and it may allow the driver to close their door to not hit that person that's coming. So some interesting ideas that that's being floated around. Definitely, as I said, very much a prototype situation. But if you think about the way that Everything could start communicating with each other in the future. This could be a really smart thing because cyclists are probably the most vulnerable people when it comes to them riding on the road. As much as I have my own opinion about whether they should be on the road in the first place, um, the reality is is that if they are there, if they have much better chance of being safe if they're aware of all their surroundings and anything that could be happening, um, predictive or non predictive, as well. So amazing stuff. I'd love to see more of this from between Telstra and Aaronberg uh, again. The connectivity piece, the ultra low latency of 5G makes a lot of sense, but I feel like it stole the thunder of the helmet itself, which has some uh, great innovation built into it on its own. Now, I did forget to mention uh, we're actually also going to quickly talk about Hisense. They had their launch this year, uh, this week. We're talking about the 2021 TVs, uh, their entire range, and it's not a small range. This is a huge lineup of products. They have multiple levels, just like every other brand, and they're going from I think a 34-inch all the way up. No, sorry, a 43 inch all the way up to an 85. Nope. It goes even bigger. 98. 98 inches? Crikey, it does. A 98 inch TV. I didn't, don't remember them mentioning that, but it's in their spec sheet. Really? 98 inches? I mean, I shouldn't question this right now. It's probably a bad time, but I am. And what's even more surprising, let me just check this. Their lowest, second lowest grade TV is the A7G. They're going to have that one in a 43, a 50, a 55, a 65, a 75, 85, and 98. And I'm going to go down the price list. 43, 50, 55, 65, 75, 85. Okay. So the pricing for the 98 inch is not on this list. However, the price for the 85 inch is, and crikey Moses, you can get 85 inch high sense TV for $3,500. That's recommended retail. And obviously, as I said, it's not their highest spec. It's not 8K. It's not their ULED TV. But if you want just a big TV, maybe for a rumpus room, 3.5K will get you 85 inches. Holy moly. If we do start stepping it up a notch, and this is where it does become more of the next level type TV, ULED is their, I guess it's their way of competing with Quantum Dot from Samsung. It's not really competitive with OLED, but it is going to be what they'll try and and attack with. ULED is quite quite good. I mean, in my experience, in looking at them, I haven't seen their 2021 range, but in my experience, their panels are good. And as I've always said, and you would have heard it even with that Sony interview earlier in the week, once you bring the TV home, there's nothing else next to it to outshine it. It's as good as you will actually have in that living room that you're sitting in. But all throughout the range, you can the most expensive TV that they're now selling is $10,000. And that's an 85-inch 8K TV. Now, if you remember, not that long ago, I tested a Samsung 85 inch 8K TV, and that was $13,000. So here we are, under 10 grand, 8K. If you want it, you got it. So overall, all I can really tell you is this High Sense, as usual, coming in with the value prop, offering bigger TVs at a better price. Um, Not going to talk about uh, quality comparison because I haven't viewed these myself. Uh, It was a virtual launch that I attended. Um, Their smart TV operating system is their own. That always comes with its own risks. In that, a new app may become available, and then it's up to Hisense to really work with that provider to bring that local app to the TV. Um, So sometimes that can mean that you're waiting. Sometimes it can mean that you have to go and get a Google Chromecast or an Apple TV to keep that TV fresh and alive. But uh, look. They are bringing out mini LED TVs that's something we've heard about as well. that will add a new competitive layer to their television range. It's all for me just text at the moment. I can tell you all about the specifications, but it doesn't give you really any advice as to whether you should go and buy one. All I can say is that if you are only after bang for your buck at this stage, I can tell you that that price at um, three and a half grand for an 85 inch TV is um, That's That's something I'd be checking out if I had like a rumpus room or a place where I just want to watch some fights or some football or whatever it is, that's probably going to be an amazing option. Now, we are going to talk about these Sony headphones that I have in front of me. We are going to talk about the amazing stuff from the Australian Federal Police. And obviously, we're going to talk about the Worldwide Developers Conference right afterwards. I couldn't have been more excited when Sony sent me uh, the NDA form. And sometimes it can be sometimes you get sent an NDA form that you need to sign it. Sorry, NDA is non-disclosure agreement, basically saying we're going to tell you about our new product, but you can't talk about it. Um, Sometimes I get sent these and I'm thinking this is extremely exciting and then I actually end up getting what the press release is or the product and it's like it's a nothing. Um, But from Sony this time they said, hey, we've got a new audio product coming. Do you mind signing this NDA so we can tell you more about it and send it to you ahead of its release? Okay. I'm thinking it's a smart speaker, maybe just like a competitor to the Sonos One or something like that, or a Bluetooth speaker. Turns out it was the new WF-1000XM4. Now, what does that really mean? Well, it's a pair of buds. It's a pair of earbuds. Um, Their previous model had the active noise cancelling built in. It was literally the competitor to the AirPods Pro. Then the AirPods Pro came out. So they actually came out before the AirPods Pro. Then the AirPods Pro came out and they were better. As much as you, you would try and compare them as much as you could, the AirPods Pro were a better product. Now, the XM4. This is a better looking product. You look better wearing it. It fits into the ear nice and snug, um, very snug. The noise cancellation is incredible. Um, one of the things I can I can tell you as an example, whatever whenever I try noise cancelling headphones, I usually do a couple of things. First of all, I'm sitting at my desk like I am right now. And I will put my headphones on, I'll leave them in transparency mode or the mode that doesn't have noise cancellation built in, and I'll tap my desk. You probably can't hear this at the moment, but I'm tapping my desk, just banging a finger on, and I get a beat going and just keep that tapping going. And then eventually I turn noise cancelling on while I'm tapping my finger in hope that I stop hearing. That tap on the desk—it's a very simple test that I like to do. But that is ambient noise that I'm creating and hopefully trying to block out through that noise cancelling. And they do a very good job of that. I then get onto my echelon bike and I go for a spin. Uh, one of the things that tends to bug me when I am riding is my shoelaces. You know that little plastic bit on the end of your shoe—it's always tapping and it just keeps hitting the pedal or my shoe as I'm pedaling, and it just gets so annoying. It's like noise cancelling turned on—that was gone. So I start to notice a lot of these things. So the noise cancellation technology does definitely work. You take it outside and yeah, you won't even hear a car coming. It's kind of dangerous. You probably do need to leave transparency mode for that particular occasion. But if you want to block out the world, maybe you want to focus and you want to sit at your desk and um, have real noise cancellation technology, they do a fantastic job of that. But that's not the best bit. The best bit is the sound the actual sound experience is next level. And the reason I'm saying that is not just because they're very good audio and that's expected, but it also supports high resolution audio. And that means that if you are somebody who is on a high resolution audio streaming service or you have your own high res music, the quality of that sound is really going to pair well with these headphones. Not many headphones support high resolution audio. They just don't. Um, So this is a big deal. So you don't need to have them physically connected. Obviously, they're just Bluetooth headphones. You're going to get high-res audio direct via Bluetooth. You've got eight hours of battery life, even with the noise cancellation turned on. Put them back in the case, you get another 16 hours. So you don't need to recharge those headphones very, very often. Um, And again, they come in black or white. They are a perfect fit. I'm so happy with them at the moment, but I'm not done. I'm not done. I haven't done a direct comparison of literally pulling them out putting the AirPods Pro in, taking them out, putting the Sonys back in. Um, I haven't been on a train with them. It's something I like to usually do when I'm testing headphones is, you know, put it on a train and stop, block it, see if I can block out the conversation next to me. Can I still hear the announcer? Um, The other interesting thing is when you start to talk, it automatically turns off the noise cancellation, um, stops your music and allows you to have a conversation with somebody. Maybe you're at a cafe, you don't actually need to look for your phone or touch the headphones, just start talking and that's detected. Uh, I've spent hours on the phone with them and they've been able to hear me and I've been able to hear them very, very well. So there's some really nice things going on here. I'm very, very excited by them but I'm not going to tell you whether it's the best pair of uh, wireless buds that you could buy at this stage. You have to bear with me. I've got a bit of work to do with them. It's an expensive purchase. So that's going to be the biggest thing to make clear here. We're talking about a $450 pair of buds. And when you're spending that kind of money, you deserve a bit, of a, bit more of a comparison than what I'm giving you at the moment. So, so far, so good. Um, I believe they're available. Oh, uh, plenty of time to tell you actually. What? They're, they're available in mid-July? I have them already? Talk about advanced access. Just realized they're available mid-July. All right, you can't buy them. So you've got, I've got time to give you a full review of them. Hang on a minute. Was I meant to not tell you about these things yet? I'm pretty sure the embargo dropped. I'm pretty sure the embargo dropped. I don't think I'm being... I, I know I signed an NDA. Okay. Anyway, that's my thoughts on them so far. Sue me, Sony. Sue me. My audience deserves to know about these products well ahead of release. That's a worry. Now... Let's talk about the Australian Federal Police. Hang on, I gotta have a drink. Let's talk about the Australian Federal Police. One second. Let me just say that Bombay Sapphire, Bombay Sapphire, they're gonna kill me for saying this wrong so many times. That gin and tonic is so easy to drink, especially with that wedge of lime. It feels like just lemonade. The Australian Federal Police made an amazing announcement this week. And it was something that they announced, then the FBI spoke about, Europol spoke about. So you knew. This was a global achievement that they've made. Apparently, the idea came over a glass of beer or a couple of beers. And I love that kind of story, but that's up to them to try and divulge in further detail at some point. We're talking about Operation Ironside. And it's very rare that I'll probably talk about stuff like this on the podcast, but it's just so damn cool that I couldn't avoid it. Here's what they did the Australian Federal Police thought it would be a cool idea. To create a device that cannot make phone calls, can't have emails, but has one particular app on there. The app is called Anom and the app, when you open it, looks like a calculator. But when you type in a particular code number, it then brings you to a messaging app. And inside that messaging app, you can message other people who are on the Anom service and you can have conversations that are completely encrypted. So they said. The devices were not something that you could just go to a JB Hi-Fi and buy. You had to know someone to get one. And they were usually sold and exchanged over the dark web. The amazing part is that the police somehow got these into the hands of some criminals or gang leaders And I would assume that was some sort of undercover way of getting those devices to them. And as a result, they were being seeded from there onwards that they would obviously know people that they felt they needed to communicate with. They didn't trust any other app. And they said, look, this is the way we're going to now communicate. You need one of these devices and we'll be able to talk about the dealings that we need to make through this app because it's so top secret. You can't even buy them. I mean, it's, it's a perfect story. However, every single message, 26 million messages that was sent on these types of devices through this type of app was being read by the AFP or Europol or the FBI. They were literally reading every single conversation that was taking place. And what was most interesting is that the people, these criminals who were talking, weren't even talking in code. It was like, hey, bruh, I need a ton of cocaine. Sure. Where do you want it delivered to? This address. And that was like, okay, it's going to cost you this much. Okay. Wild stuff. Between them rolling this out to now, and I believe that's about two or three years, they've made plenty of arrests. And effectively, I think it got to a point that the criminals started to cotton on to the fact that, why is it that every time we try and make a deal, the police are showing up we only spoke about that deal through this app, and I think they started cottoning onto it, and that's why they've decided to now talk about it and make a bit of a brag. But they've done some amazing work with it. They're, they've arrested 224 people, 526 charges have been laid. We're talking about in, in Australia, three and a half tons of drugs, 104 um, weapons, $44.9 million in cash and assets expected to run into the millions of dollars have been seized. I, I mean, wow. I just wow! This is coming from a country that tried to create an app that would track COVID, called COVID Safe, which no one liked, and I don't know how many people that run this app, but it didn't go well. And here they are coming up with this amazing idea where they've been able to do this and foil so much crime. It's just amazing, and I, I just couldn't be prouder. It, I, it sounds bizarre, but. Great work. You know, great work. Kudos to them. They're worried about some lady at Australia Post who bought some Cartier watches for their employees. Heck, buy these guys some watches. Buy them all some good watches. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Whoever came up with this idea, I hope, is well taken care of. It's just awesome. Now, I will say, though, and it was interesting as I've been talking about this on the radio and things like that. The question of, well, what, what devices are they? And, it's, and it made sense to me very early on why they would decide to have their own phone and not just create the app. Um, because the, the obvious thing would be, well, why not just have your own app and let anybody download it and then potentially catch more people? But the reality is that if you did, did do that, that app would need to go through the App Store or the Google Play Store, meaning it needs to be vetted. By Apple or Google, and they probably would have noticed that it wasn't properly encrypted messaging um, one to one. Same thing with the device. If you were to say to Apple, well, you need some devices that we're going to manipulate and put into the hands of people, I don't think Apple would have a bar of it. As we know in the past, the FBI has asked for Apple to help unlock a criminal's phone, who I believe was a murderer, but Apple refused to help on grounds of privacy and that it was against their code of ethics. So no wonder the AFP, the FBI and Europol had to go down this option of creating their own very manipulated device and seeding them out in their own way that they could purposely have them all ready to go and working before distributing them out to criminals. And to me, that's, that's a alarming, but also very smart because we have seen in the past, people get very upset when there's any kind of whisper or murmur that the government is going to implement a new surveillance law on any of these um, services or apps that we use. So here was a way of them really getting around that kind of risk by really only putting devices and, and this app in the hands of those who kind of have a guilty conscience already because they're buying, buying them on a black market. They know, they're buying it from somebody who told them that they need one. You know the story? So I think this is fascinating and, and, it's, and it's fascinating to me as well that no brand would really want to align themselves with this, because you can imagine, say, for example, they, if they came out this week and said, "We worked with Samsung to build these phones and put this app on it," do you think people would trust Samsung? Do you think it would actually hamper or hinder what, you know what I mean? Would it, would it be a good thing for, the, for Samsung's brand? I don't think so. Anyway, kudos to the AFP. Um, I believe it was an idea born out of Australia. I'm just just clapping my hands on a world level here. Uh, amazing absolutely amazing now let's go and talk about some apple stuff uh because we know that a lot of you are apple listeners and there is nothing wrong with that you've got some exciting things to look forward to okay wwdc the worldwide developers conference uh 3 a.m this week i did not wake up for it because i'm just tired of doing that to be honest i've been for a number of years i've been following that uh pattern of waking up at 3 a.m uh having radio spots lined up from 5 a.m. onwards, um, potentially doing TV that day. And it's pretty exhausting. And for a company that refuses to talk to me, kind of feels weird to do it at the same time. Um, But the good thing is that I still get to talk to you at the same time every week. And I can still give you this update whether I got up at 3 a.m. or not. Now, this time we have some announcements to talk about. No hardware. So if you needed a new laptop, Needed a new pair of AirPods, you're out of luck at this stage. You will have to wait a little bit longer. But let's talk about iOS 15. That will be coming expected around September when the new iPhone uh, is announced and potentially released. It's usually actually the full operating system usually drops the week or the day before um, the new phone comes out. So something around September should be your ballpark. The beta, if you can get access to it, is available now. If you're risky enough to do it, I always recommend doing it on a spare phone or doing it on an iPad because You don't rely on your iPad just as much. What can you look forward to with iOS 15? Changes to FaceTime. I think this is probably the biggest change to be excited about for Apple users. If you've got a friend, family member who does not have an Apple device and you for some reason think that FaceTime is the best app to be using to video call them, you will now be able to do that. Whether they're on Windows or Android, you'll be able to go from FaceTime and send a link to join a FaceTime call in WhatsApp in Messenger, in email, whatever you like. Sounds a lot like Zoom? It kind of is. You can now also share content through FaceTime as well. So if you want to share a video, if you want to share a website, whatever it is, you can now do that. I'm very fascinated by this because for a couple of reasons. One, I understand that a person with an iPhone can initiate a FaceTime call with somebody on Android. Once that person on Android takes that call, because it's not an app, it's actually through a web link, once they take that call, what functionality do they have on that end? Can they still share content through Android? Can they still do the same things that the person on the iPhone is doing? What limitations are in place there? I'm also fascinated by, well, can I from an Android device call someone else on FaceTime? I don't think so. I think it's only going to be initiated from an iOS device, but it's a first step. And I actually think this could be really smart for Apple to eventually make FaceTime a separate app that can be available for Android for Windows devices, and really give them a chance at taking on Skype, taking on uh, Zoom and others, obviously, uh, to really try and be that new messaging platform that, uh, that they maybe would want to do. The other interesting part here is focused notifications. Now, um, Android users, there is a thing called focus mode on your phone. It's something that I use between 9 and 5 p.m. and absolutely love it. But this is a similar situation where you can choose to snooze notifications from certain apps during working hours. Uh, You can choose to snooze maybe your work email during personal hours. And you can also have customized versions of that. So maybe you're at the gym and you don't want to receive notifications from all of your email while you're at the gym, but maybe you do want to be able to get SMS notifications or maybe you want to get whatever. Um, So that's a really cool thing to do. You'll actually be able to tailor that kind of situation to a mode and you can do some cool things with that too it is already on android and look i've heard people say to me oh this is just another thing that apple has copied you could say that but i think the best way of looking at this guys is this is now good that apple users can also do this so rather than just beating everyone up let's just say well it's good that you can now do that the exciting thing to know here ios 15 will be available on devices as old as the iPhone 6S. It's an old phone. So that I'm talking about iPhone 6, 6S, 7, 8, 10, 10R, 10S, 11, uh, SE, and 12. So very exciting. Obviously, the iPhone 13 or whatever the heck they decide to call it, it'll be available there too. Upgrades to photos. Um, the camera app will now be able to scan text and later copy and paste it. So if you took a photo of a whiteboard, You can potentially then just take all the text from that, put it into the email. Here's our meeting notes. That's it. Um, Same thing with sometimes on the phone and I'm on a pen and paper and I write down a phone number. You could then take the camera, point it to that scribble that you've just done and then click on it to call. It's kind of handy. Um, It can also translate in seven different languages. Again, none of this is necessarily surprising for Android users, but I'm talking to the Apple audience here, guys. Stop shouting. Um, But it's exciting. You can obviously do better photo searching. Again, very similar to Google Photos, but it's important. There is an interesting news around digital keys Um, and they're talking, obviously we heard about car key in their last iOS announcement, but they're talking about opening up your Apple wallet and having access to digital house keys, uh, work passes such as entering corporate buildings and things like that, Uh, hotel keys. So your room key may be distributed via um, Apple wallet, which is again, very, very handy. And they're talking about identification in parts of the US. In Australia, we're already moving identification into the service apps. They're available like Service New South Wales. That's where you have your digital driver's license. Um, the iPad OS 15. Yeah, it's cool. I'm just not excited about iPads or tablets at the moment. I have an iPad Pro. It sits on my Echelon bike. It's only the only place I use it. And it's pretty sad for a very expensive uh, tablet. But there's some small changes here. I think the biggest one is how it's multitasking. Um, sp- split view is going to be the most exciting part. Having your work email on one side, maybe having something else on the other side. Um, it's cool. Um, That will come to iPad Air, Mini 4, Mini 5, iPad 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th generation, and obviously all of the iPad Pros because they've all got the power to do it. Mac OS Monterey is the name of the new version, always named after something US or California related. Um, The biggest changes here is not much. A lot of it's actually changes inside the Safari browser, something I don't really use. You've got to group certain tabs and there'll be some Safari extensions. Extensions is something we do see in Google Chrome already, um, but now it's going to come to Safari. I think Apple's working quite hard to try and get people back onto their own browser and probably for speed benefits, I think, especially with their M1 processors. that browser is most likely going to work best with their own hardware and they'll probably want um, you to get off Google Chrome for a performance point of view. Uh, Watch OS 8, obviously there's going to be an update to Apple Watches as well coming not major. Um, You can now do portrait mode watch faces. You can now have GIFs or GIFs, whatever you decide to call it. Um, There's some new Fitness Plus workouts with a lady named Jeanette Jenkins. Not sure who that is. Um, There is more of a focus on fitness. And I think that's got to be the biggest point that I've pulled out here. There's some um, Tai Chi. There's Pilates workouts now. There's a mindfulness app. Uh, yeah, maybe that's cool to you. There's one interesting thing called walking steadiness. Now, I understand this is probably more targeted to the elderly, that you could get notifications on your grandmother who is potentially <clears throat> you know, limping a little bit more or not as stable on their feet as they used to be. But I'm just picturing a bunch of young people receiving notifications at 2 a.m. as they're stumbling home from the pub and getting alerts or maybe their missus getting alerts saying, my old, old Johnny is not walking very straight. And wow, he's just fallen down in the bushes, whatever it is. But I'm just picturing walking steadiness really being for the drunk people out there. Nothing, you know, it's all good. Just be safe. Um, So that's kind of interesting. AirPods, they made some news about AirPods, but really not a lot. I think the biggest thing to talk about here is separation alerts. So if you leave your AirPods behind, you could get a notification on that. Um, Probably even more helpful if you've got AirPods Pro, those crazy expensive ones. Um, The other interesting thing, they talked about Dolby Atmos. Conversation boost was another thing. We just spoke about what Sony is doing with Speak to Talk. Uh, this one is more that if you are hearing impaired, but maybe not at the stage of wearing hearing aids, that you could be wearing your AirPods in conversation boost mode. And if you're talking to someone across the table in a cafe, it might look weird with your Air- AirPods on, but it could mean that you hear them much clearer using the microphones and the uh, speakers on the actual AirPods, not through the phone. So some interesting changes coming there. Look, it's coming. Enjoy it. Why not, Right. The other crazy thing was Siri. Interestingly, they've decided that Siri could now be available on third-party devices. Now, that could mean a couple of things. It could mean that it's just built into HomeKit accessories, meaning you can control um, your smart home through Siri in a better way. But what it actually means is that all those smart speakers that you see, like when Sony makes one, when Sonos makes one, when whoever makes one. Imagine now choosing the Siri voice assistant instead of the Google or Amazon voice assistant. In my opinion, I think Siri needs a lot of work before it becomes a smarter voice assistant than those other two, um, but it could potentially be an option. And honestly, guys, I think Sonos will be one of the first to want to have this feature because at the moment when you buy a Sonos speaker or their smart speakers, when you're, during, when you're setting it up, you've got the choice of the Google Assistant or the uh, or Amazon Alexa. So, I think they'll just add that third choice of Siri once they're allowed to do that. They already support Apple Music. And then what will happen is you now have a really strong alternative to going, instead of buying a HomePod Mini or a HomePod, you could get whatever speaker you like and still have that tight Apple ecosystem to it. I just think, I just think that Apple will make sure that they have a very big logo on all of those packages that now says works with Siri or something like that. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if there is a cost for licensing or something like that, but let's wait and see what happens with that. We'll stay tuned on all of it. There were some um, updates to apps, sorry, maps, not apps. I'm not interested in it because Google Maps is far superior and it's available for everyone on on iOS or Android. Um, and they talked about some stuff for developers, developers, if you're listening, you already know what that stuff was because that's why you attended the event yourself. So look, that is the full roundup of WWDC. Was it worth? Sorry, should I have gotten up at 3 a.m. for it? Probably not. That's got to be the, the only thing to say. A lot of people disappointed there was no hardware. A lot of people forget it's Worldwide Developers Conference. This is to help developers prepare for the software that's coming to Apple devices. They don't talk about devices. They're talking about software. So that's what they did. It would have been nice to hear about some updates, but that's on them. They'll probably have their own update coming with another event very, very soon. That has to be the biggest jam-packed show I feel like I've done in a while. Some big news, the AFP, smart helmets, sense TVs, amazing Sony headphones that I hope before they go on sale in like six months um, that we can talk about even more. I'll give you a comparison to that. I also spent a morning, uh, real, real short story, I spent a morning with Peloton. Uh, This week, Peloton. I've spoken about them before. They're coming to Australia. You know, I have an echelon bike here that at some point I'm going to have to send back. Um, We're talking about smart fitness with live classes happening on the bike, and I'll I'll give you full detail about that next week. But the the place that they sent me to was in Darling Point, and it was a four story mansion on the water, which looked like the house that Batman lives in. Or Iron Man, probably Iron Man because it was probably cooler than Batman. And then they chauffeured me practically to a room where the bike was set up looking over the water. And I just had such a crazy experience. And it's like someone lives in that house and they just rented it for that day or whatever it was. Are unbelievable. I mean, some people have just crazy amounts of money, but amazing house. The Peloton experience was fantastic. I am going to do a very strong comparison between that and the Echelon in the near future. Um, if you do have any questions about that, do reach out to me and we can talk. I'm more than happy to always share advice with you all one on one, or we can answer those questions on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, if you don't have my phone number, pull your phones out. 0467439 078. What's your question? What's your flavor? Send me a text. We can talk about it on the show or I can just reply direct to you. More than happy to do that. You've been an amazing audience. I'm actually not offended by gin and tonic anymore. I used to call it the convict's drink. Um, turns out it's actually pretty good, especially with a wedge of lime in it. I'm quite enjoying it and I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't forget, you can go and listen to the Bowens Garage podcast featuring me. I believe at the time you're hearing this, it should also be available. Um, It was nice. It was really nice to have that conversation um, and sort of get back to what feels like a very nice place um, and have those conversations. So um, yeah, check it out. Let me know what you think. Let, let Bowen know what you think. Uh, leave him a review. Leave me a review. Um, don't forget to say, if you do leave a review on Bowen's Garage podcast, don't forget to tell him who sent you. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll speak to you again next week. You've been listening to Technology Uncorked. Love you all. Bye-bye.